morning, everybody. Um, Joel is, um, can I borrow this? I'm going to take this. Joel is, uh, of course, on his anniversary. He will uh, be back next Sunday, hopefully. Actually, I've been looking at, there's some Facebook pictures of Joel, and he looks so happy and well-rested that I'm not sure that he's going to come back. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I think that part of his plan might have been to get elders so that he could just leave. You know what I'm saying? That's, I'm not sure. But if he's not here next Sunday, you know my suspicions aren't so crazy. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this great gospel in you. Um, we thank you, Lord, for saving us, washing us clean. We thank you, Lord, for the new life that is in you. Lord, for uh, bring us closer and closer to you every day, making us more like you every day. Lord, give us understanding as we dig into your word, as we focus on your character, as we focus on the gospel. Bring us closer to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, oh, sprouts can be dismissed. And buds, go forth. Um, there's a book I've been reading called The Hole in Our Gospel. I don't know if any of you are aware of it. Uh, Richard Stearns is the author of the book. We're having some, some craziness. Kearney? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Let's start over. <laughs> um, so I've been reading this book called Hole in Our Gospel and, um, by Richard Stearns. He's a good dude. He's uh, the president of World Visions. And um, what I've gotten out of the book so far is pretty much this disconnect between our knowledge and belief in the gospel and the results of the gospel. And um, you know, sometimes as, we, as Christians in our, our journey, we, can, uh, we get to the point where the gospel sometimes appears like a fairy tale a little bit. You know, like we're looking at the pages of the gospel and then we look up at the world around us and there's so much pain and um, poverty and all this hurt maybe even in our own lives, you know, we look down at the pages again, we come on Sunday mornings, come to house community, but sometimes it feels like there's a, a disconnect, a hole, if you will. And um, so that's pretty much what I've been getting out of the book. And when I was first started reading the book and kind of dealing with this hole in my own life as well, I uh, got a little discouraged, you know, I, uh, as we tend to do sometimes in that period. And uh, you begin to point fingers, as we do. We begin to blame uh, the church. We blame church leaders. Um, problem is, I'm a church leader, so it can't, it can't be my fault. So, you know, we, again, we have the audacity sometimes to not only point our fingers at church, but begin to point our fingers at God. God, you messed up. God, something's wrong with this gospel. It's not working for me. Why is it working for all these people? It's not working for me. How are all these people in pain, all these people falling away? But your word is supposed to be so good. You're supposed to be so good and great and gracious. God, there's a hole. We may not say that to God directly, but we say it in a lot of other ways. We've all been in that place, I think, if you're journeying in Christ. So I had this, this time in my life, and I began to, you know, I, 
I'm not going to completely walk away from God. You know, God and I are like this. You know, you can, you can ask him yourself. Him and I are tight. So I figured I'd give him another shot. Look at me. I'm, I'm giving God another shot. So um, God was gracious. I'm going to go get my water if you don't mind. God was gracious. Don't tell Joel about that. God was uh, gracious to me, and as I revisited the gospel, gave me uh, some revelations here and there that have really blessed my life, and I hope that they bless your lives as well. Um, so let's dig on in. Matthew 18, verse 1 through 5, if you're reading along. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called to a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like, a little, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. I want you to understand the cultural mentality that was in, with the Jews at this time. You know, they were looking for a, a Messiah, for a, a Christ who was powerful, strong, you know what I'm saying, who was going to lead them away from oppression, you know, physically, like a big, mighty man, you know, like, like an Iron Man, you know what I'm saying, like someone just to kind of fly down, you know what I'm saying, and say like, I am the Christ, you know what I'm saying, and start, you know, blowing away Roman soldiers and Pharisees and all kinds of stuff, and devils, someone mighty and strong like that, and uh, all they got was uh, Jesus on a donkey, and it was a joyous time, mind you, when he was on that donkey, you know, it was, people were singing Hosanna and Hosanna and such, but I can imagine some people being like, you know, this who is this dude? Who's this guy on the donkey? You know what I'm saying? Where's the mighty warrior? Where's this guy riding a horse? You know what I'm saying? Swinging all kinds of weapons in the air and knocking people out of the way for us and taking away that oppression. And they get up with the dude with the donkey. I can imagine uh, John the Baptist when he was in prison. I believe that's in uh, Matthew 11. John the Baptist is in prison. He's been there for a little bit and he sends word to Jesus Jesus, I, I've heard about everything that you're doing, but is there another one? Is there someone else coming? Are you really the Christ? And uh, Jesus sends word back to John. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking. You know, the good news is being preached to the poor. Hang in there, John. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like that. And John, I can imagine him just being in prison for a while, suffering as he has. You know, wondering when he was going to break you know, Jesus was going to break through and, and rescue him. You know what I'm saying? What if he's going to break through with that, the Iron Man suit or something like that and just blow, blow the walls off and just rescue John? But that wasn't what Jesus was about. Jesus had been preaching this, this kingdom, as uh, Pastor Joel has been preaching on, of uh, kind of like a kingdom versus another kingdom. You know, we have this kingdom of uh, religious and political oppression and uh, kind of binding the people up. And then we have this kingdom Jesus is preaching, yeah. Uh, just of, of goodness and the Beatitudes, which we'll get into later on. And uh, still this mentality that's being, that we're fighting against. And it's the same mentality that we find here when the disciple asks, who is the greatest? Even in this other kingdom that you're preaching, Jesus, who is the greatest? 
and Jesus brings them a little child. Once again, blowing their minds. Unless you humble yourself like this little kid, can't enter the kingdom. We think about the kids that we, uh, we sent off the sprouts, and we think about how dependent they are of, uh, of their parents, of, of how trusting they are of adults, and um, how dependent they are for our comfort and our, our teaching, our love. Unless we humble ourselves to God's word, to his gospel, we're, we're missing something. There's, there's a hole. My first checkpoint this morning, I'm going to give you all a little bit of homework. All right? The first checkpoint is humility. In uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue in him. One of the ways we, can, we receive Christ Jesus as our Lord is hum- humility. We're saying to Christ, our way is not good enough. We need some other way. We need your salvation. Can't make it on my own. But as Christians, as we grow, as we go on this journey, sometimes our humility can turn into pride. You know, we start to get a little cocky. You know, we've, we've got it all together. We don't really need to hear any sermons. We don't really need to pray as much as we once did. You know, we don't need to uh, gather together. We don't need to come to church. Again, we don't say this necessarily, but we, we show it in our actions. Pride starts to kick in, you know. We start with our blogs, you know what I'm saying, uh, anointedsmartypants.com or something like that. And, and like, we have all these revelations. Like, those revelations out there you've been hearing, nothing. You need to come to me. I am the way. Come to my revelations. We kind of get this mentality of we know it all. And just as we received Christ Jesus as our Lord, our Master, so we should continue in him. So my question for you for this checkpoint here is, what is your motivation in the kingdom? Um, when you think about what you do here at church, what you do at your job, your community, uh, why do you do what you do? Is your motivation the kingdom of God? Is it, have you submitted your life to his word, to the gospel? Or are you just living for you? Are you building your own kingdom? If so, you might have slipped away from humility into pride. Let's read on. Matthew 18, verse 6 through 9. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of these things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands, two feet, and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. This point number two that we're revisiting is uh, how beautiful the gospel is. Not just with the scripture just read, but throughout all the gospels, how precious Jesus finds the gospel, the kingdom that he's preaching, and how much he hates false teaching, how much he hates anything that's going to steer you away from this beautiful picture that he's painting. So I just want to revisit real quickly uh, some of the messages that Pastor Joel has been preaching on, um, just to get a quick glance again of, of this beautiful picture he's painting. 
I go to Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, and we find Jesus saying, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. He says things like, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He says thus, such things like, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we find this, this kingdom that Jesus is, Jesus is preaching that is for the oppressed. You know, if you are broken, you're, you're feeling confused in life. If you feel as though that you're just, I don't know, down, downtrodden, this kingdom is for you. It's not for people who, uh, who have uh, trusted in their privilege, not for people who are trusting in their pride. It is for the broken. You can imagine when they're hearing these words, uh, the Jews at that time who were oppressed, and they're hearing this new kingdom that's being preached how much hope they're filled with, how much joy they're filled with. This is part of this beautiful picture that Jesus is painting. If we go on to uh, verse 13, we see that you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Do you know how much Jesus has blessed you to be the light? Do you understand that he's brought you out of darkness into light? He has made you the light. Do you understand how uh, awesome that is? So why would you hide your, your light? Why would you put that light under a bowl? Why, why, would, why would you hide it? One of the, um, it's another part of the picture he paints is uh, one of the revelations that, that blessed my life so much was uh, how God has made us righteous. You know, I struggled a lot uh, once upon a time of, of guilt and uh, I just couldn't get out of it. I couldn't get away from the things that I had been through and the things that uh, I had done. And uh, I, you know, getting that revelation of how he's made us righteous, how he's made us light, he's made us disciples to go out into the world, truly blessed my life. It's part of this beautiful picture that he is painting. We see later on how uh, we, can't be, we can't fulfill the law. The law is, it crushes us if we try to trust in our ability to fulfill it. But Christ is the fulfillment of the law, and we have Christ. You see how beautiful that is, how awesome it is to be a part of this salvation, to be a part of this gospel. We see later on how Jesus talks about um, anger, hate, how we should love our enemies, a new way of love that, that just hasn't, hadn't been around in that time. We talked about, uh, he talked about how precious marriage is and how, uh, what a blessing that is. And to even lust after another, another person when you're married, how that perverts that marriage. You see that beautiful picture that, that God has painted for us. And how false teaching and how can steer us away from this blessing. If I may make a note on uh, church discipline as our church is becoming more structured. Words like structure and obedience, as Pastor Joel has preached on, we, we don't really like those words, you know, discipline. Ugh. But the heart that a spiritual leader should have, should have, is to keep people away from, uh, from going astray from this beautiful picture. You know, we want, we want to keep you away from false teaching. We want to keep you away from those people and those places that are going to steer you away from what God has for you. It should be out of love. So please, I hope and I pray in the future, as any spiritual leader comes to you and you find yourself in that place that you don't get offended, thinking that they're just trying to wag the finger at you. Their heart should be out of love to keep you where God wants you to be.
something else in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. I think it's really important to this as well. It says this, And we have put on a new self, being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Church, we serve a gospel that is for everyone. It transcends race, culture, sex. It transcends our economic background. And this is that beautiful gospel that we're all a part of. But I fear at times that we've, we've made the gospel become common. You know, we, even when we're, we're talking amongst ourselves, you know, we, we don't uh, treat it with the respect it deserves, how much it has saved us. Um, even with maybe speaking with our uh, unsaved friends, you know, we're just going to church Sunday, you know. Then we'll hang out, go to lunch, you know, it's, it's fine. If we're just, this church thing, it's not that super spiritual. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Church, it is a big deal. That beautiful picture we've just been talking about, and I could go on and on and on. That is a big deal. God has saved you from darkness into light. He's continuing to save you. That is a big deal. It should not be seen as common. So we can see why Jesus would be so against false teaching. We see some woes here that he, he has. And um, first woe I would give is to spiritual leaders, to teachers, and the responsibility that they have dealing with the word. I've talked to a lot of, a lot of you in, um, that have been hurt from past church experiences. And a lot of that has been due to just how spiritual leaders have dealt with the word and how they've dealt with, uh, with you as a result of uh, false teaching. I can think of people that have been bound by false teaching, that their lives have been wrecked by false teaching in the Word. And, oh man, it, it hurts me. I know it hurts our Savior, it hurts our God. But I also want to speak, even if you're not a spiritual leader, of uh, just how we live our lives. There's, there's an old saying that, uh, I may have this incorrect, I'm sorry if I do, um, that you know, preach the gospel, and if you have to use words, something like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Get some yeses. And I agree with most of that. But at some point you have to open your lips, but I agree with most of it. The problem is that there's a flip side to that. If we are living contrary, consistently living contrary to this beautiful picture that Jesus is painting, what does that say to uh, our Christian friends who may look up to us? What does that say to the unsaved? this big deal that we're a part of. The second woe, I would say, is us on the receiving end. Um, if you have been at a church that is, that's hurting you, um, if you know someone who's at a church that's hurting, hurting them, do everything you can to get them away. You know, if you know someone who's bound by false teaching, do everything you can to try to get them, get them some good teaching. Jesus uses these graphic images of you, cut off, cutting off your hand, gouging out your eye. It's painful, but it's necessary. If there's something that's leading you into sin, if there's a person or a, uh, an activity you're engaged in that's leading you into sin, we have to cut it away from our lives. If you're taking this thing seriously, that is. If you're just fooling around, then I guess, you know, do whatever you want. But if you're serious about this, if you're serious about the gospel, about this big deal, then you should care that some activity or some person, 
some thought process is leading you away from this beautiful picture that Jesus has been painting. Um, you know, it's not supposed to be pleasant and not, not supposed to be easy. I don't know if y'all know about the human body, but if you cut off a body part, it's not growing back, you know? <laughs> you pluck out your eye, don't expect it to magically reappear. It's painful. You know, it could, be, it could be a job, let's say. You know, you have a job that you're finally getting that good money. You know what I'm saying? You, you're buying a nice house, a nice car. You got the hot tub, you know, in the back, you know what I'm saying, backyard, dancing in the hot tub. You got everything that you want. But that job is eating away at your soul. It's stressing you out to the point where you can't connect with the Lord anymore. You can't love people like you used to love them anymore. The job is destroying you. And yet we put up with it. Why? Because we want our paycheck, right? Who cares if it's getting us away from the gospel? Or it could be, um, and this is for single people. Single people, let's chat. <laughs> Guys, if that girl that you've been crushing on, you know, and she looks, dances like Beyonce, you know what I'm saying? She smells like you know, strawberries and cream, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> but if her heart is not right with the Lord, and I know that's sometimes a boring question to ask, but it's a very important question to ask. If her heart is not right with the Lord, what are you doing? Ladies, if that guy that you're crushing on, you're winking at, you know what I'm saying, he's got that 24-pack, that you know, and, you know, he's, he looks like those dudes from Twilight, and Edward and What's-His-Face, you know, he's, he's beautiful. I understand, I understand he is beautiful. He buys you stuff. He whispers sweet nothings into your ear. He's showering you with money. He's got the hot tub in his backyard. <laughs> I get it. But if his heart is not right with the Lord, what are you doing? The second checkpoint. Once you examine your zeal level, where it is now uh, versus where it used to be, when you first got saved. I can remember when I first came to the Lord, He saved me out of a dark pit. I was hopeless and desperate. And all of a sudden, hope has been brought to my, uh, my attention in Christ. And I was, you know, I was writing poems to God, you know, I was hungry for that word. I love hanging around new Christians because their, their hearts are just, they're so eager to learn more about Christ. They're so eager in worship. I love that, you know, because at times, you know, us Christians, y'all know, we can get old, cynical, crotchety, you know what I'm saying? We're just, we've lost something, you know what I'm saying? And we look down at the, that new Christian who's like, got that fire, and we're like, ah, oh, wait a few years, you know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know. Y'all don't really, you don't have the real story. We get like that. Where's your zeal level now when it used to be? Have you changed the way you're viewing the gospel? I know there's a, um, I'm going to give you a little helpful tip, tip I guess. Uh, anyone have like a movie that you, uh, you can watch over and over and over again? You know, it, it never gets old. It's just like, yes. For me, it's like The Dark Knight is my movie. I can watch, I've watched that movie at least 500 times. Love that movie. You have that movie because it speaks to you. You know what I'm saying? Or that song, it speaks to you. You can listen to it over and over again. The gospel should speak to us. It, it, is, it is about God. It is also about us. You open it up to any page, 
you see how God's dealing with, with people, and it's the same way he deals with us today. Are you viewing the gospel in such a way that uh, you can see yourself in it, and you can see that it wasn't just some, a story thousands of years ago. It, it's going on still today. Acts is continuing. You know, we are the church. How are you viewing the gospel when you read it now? read on. It's uh, Matthew 18, verse 10 through 14. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one who wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he begged, I'm sorry, if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 who did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing to let any of these little ones be lost. Now, there's a lot there in that scripture, but what I want to focus on is uh, the heart of God, the heart that that shepherd had, shepherd had to uh, go after that lost sheep. Again, think about uh, your testimony. All of our testimonies had the same core to them, no matter what our story is. We came from darkness into light. You know, there's a song we sing, uh, I am a friend of God, and it's, it's in the scriptures. The verse goes, uh, Who am I that you are mindful of me? Um, now, who are, who are we that God thinks about us, that he cares about every part of our lives, the very hairs on our heads numbered? You know, he cares about each part of our day at our, our jobs, that, that annoying person, you know, that, that, uh, that scripture you can't understand. He cares about uh, your car breaking down. He cares about not being able to pay some bills, you know what I'm saying? He cares about your insecurities. He, he cares about all those things. Who am I that he's mindful of us? We see this heart of God pursuing us, just like that shepherd pursued that, that sheep. I think in a lot of ways, some of us are still straying away, we could say, and God's still pursuing us. He's still bringing us more and more like him. It's this type of heart that we should have for one another, for, uh, for the world, for the city, for our families, the people in our jobs. As we've, uh, we read throughout scriptures, our, uh, one of our focus, focuses as Christians is to be more like Christ, right? To, to walk as Jesus did. And he has this heart for the lost. He has this heart for us. You know, uh, how's your love walk looking? There's a scripture in Galatians 5, 14, I think it is, that the entire law is summed up in a single command that we love one another. And um, if I go back to the whole in the gospel, I would say that the whole is our lack of love. You know, we have our knowledge and our, our revelations over here, but where's the love with that? Some people have all the actions, you know, they're involved in the nonprofits, they're involved in their charities and whatnot, but they don't have the love of the Father. Where's the love? The same love that God showed you. Are you showing that same love to the people in your lives? I think about the love that God has shown me, the grace that he's shown me, to even get to this point the mental stability to be able to preach to y'all this morning, the grace he has shown me, that love 
how dare I not show you all that same love? How dare I not show that same love to a homeless person on the street or if I had the opportunity to reach out to a, a support missions or whatnot? How dare I not show that same love and mercy that I've been shown? Church, if the gospel is just coming to you and it's not flowing through you, what's the point? One of my, uh, I guess I'll call it a burden, I guess, or something I think about is that when we're training these Bible students up and they come out of Bible college or um, interns, um, is that we train them in the Word of God, and we should, and this is important. But how often do we teach them how to love? How often do we give them examples of living the Word of God in love? Because without that love part, it's, it's pointless. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. You know, you could be that person, again, with anointedsmartypants.com, but if you don't have love, what's the point? Let's um, go to the third checkpoint, I would call it, I guess. I don't know what else to call it. Um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, above, above all else, love, love, sorry, above all else, love one another deeply from the heart. I want us to assess the people in our lives, you know, not only the people here at this church, people at your jobs, communities. Some of you have ministries that are being stirred in your heart. Um, maybe God's calling you to go to the mission field, or he's calling you to a different state, or he's calling you to a ministry of counseling, or the homeless, or whatever it may be. And I want you to examine these people in your lives. Then I want you to examine on whether or not you're showing them the love that God has shown you. If you're making excuses, you may have a problem. Church, the world needs this love. More important than anything else. Above all else, you know, if all the whole law, again, is summed up in a single command that we love one another we can't get that down, we're in some trouble. I guarantee you that, you know, if we begin to love as Christ loved us, that we'll see hearts change. You know, th that person that may be on your heart that you wish would come to the Lord, or that person that you see bound by something, you wish that they would, that a light bulb would come on. I guarantee you that you continue to love them and pray for them as God pursues you, that they'll turn around. Guarantee it. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love never fails, right? It's important. My last point is this, that the gospel is enough. It's more than enough for us. Um, there's a friend of mine, he's a homeless man, lives on, a, he's a, on MLK by the bridge. His name is Marlon. And um, I stop, uh, I talk with him a, a good amount of times uh, throughout the week. And uh, he's always telling me his stories. He's telling me he's writing a book. You know, he's, uh, he's uh, tells me he's praying for me and stuff like that. I, I give him some money. And one of these times, a few months ago, I, uh, sorry, he's a Christian, by the way. I don't, I don't know if you can. He's prayed for, he prays for me, so I, he's a Christian. Um, one of these times I uh, well, stopped to give him some money, and um, 
he stops me, and right then and there, he begins to pray for me. And um, he gives me this uh, crystal frame, and he says he was going to sell it, but God told him to give it to me. And in that moment, my heart just melted. I, I was con- totally speechless. I didn't know what to say. Um, and I thought to myself as I was driving away, like, this is, this is the gospel right here. I'm seeing it in motion. It's this, this, this man who doesn't have a lot, you know what I'm saying, certainly doesn't have a lot that he, he would desire, is still blessing me. He's still praying for me. He's, he's loving me. He's, he's, he's the church, you know, and I was just floored by that. I, you know, we always think, you know, when we stop to give um, people some money like that, that we're just blessing them. You know, we don't think about they're going to bless us. We don't think about their journey. We don't think about maybe they are Christians and that, that they're living a mighty life of the gospel just as we are. You know, we sometimes we'll tend to look down on them, not, not in a derogatory way, but still looking down on them, you know. This is the gospel emotion, and we all have it. It is enough. My last checkpoint is this, and um, I think about the rich young ruler. If y'all don't know that story, it's in Matthew 19, verse 16. And um, there's a person who wanted to eagerly follow Jesus. He asked Jesus, you know, what do I have to do to enter, to have eternal life? And uh, he's, he tells Jesus he's been following the law, he's been doing all that, he's perfect in that. And then Jesus looks at him and says, Give away all your possessions, and then come back, and you can follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away sad. He did eagerly want eternal life. He eagerly wanted, he genuinely wanted to follow Jesus, but he also, his heart was attached to his possessions. So much so that he walked away sad, and he couldn't really partake. And we don't know the rest of the story. I don't know if maybe, um, maybe he did end up doing what Jesus said. I don't know. But I want us to think about where we are in relation to the gospel. Is it more than enough for us? If everything were to be stripped away from us, will we drown in our sorrows and complaints? Or would the gospel still be more than enough? If we were to lose everything, will we still be focused in this mission of the gospel? Will we still love one another? Still follow the, the, mis- the vision that God's put on our hearts? Or will we completely crumble and become selfish? Or is the gospel more than enough for us? It may not be possessions like the rich young ruler. Um, or it could be. I'm not going to tell you to give away all your stuff. I wouldn't do that to you. Although, if that is a problem, I would certainly deal with it if I were you. It could be, it could be anything at all. It could, be, um, it could be our pride. Maybe our pride is keeping us away from God. It could be our cynicism, our hurt. Uh, there's certain people I talk to, you mention something, and like all this hurt from the past just comes up, and like, I didn't even say anything about that. <laughs> I said nothing about that, but they're still feeling that hurt from the past, and that hurt is keeping them from moving forward with God. It could be something that you need to spend some time in prayer and, and lay down before God's feet. Maybe take a brother or sister with you and, and pray that they help you with this, or It could be uh, our time. Maybe we're not spending enough time in meditating on the beauty of the gospel to the point where it's just become common to us, to the point where we've lost our zeal. You know, we don't, 
sing songs like we used to, you know? It's not attached anymore. It's just kind of like, it's just like karaoke. We're just kind of singing like we sing along with the radio, but our hearts aren't attached to what we're singing. You know, we don't get into the sermons anymore. We're not serving like we once did. And it could just be a result of our time, spending too much time being distracted. It could be a certain relationship, a certain job, like I mentioned before, that we may need to remove from our lives so that we can focus more on Christ. For some of us, it could be ourselves. Sometimes some of us just need to get over ourselves, you know? The gospel is more important than any of us. We're in this thing together. It's not about one individual. It's about all of us. And if you're having that problem, you can't get over yourself, you may need to take some time away from your life and just focus on serving others, just focus on loving one another, you know? Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, some things that you need to, to let go of or things you need to pray about or some things you need to meditate on more. And I, I urge you, church, to do that. Don't take this lightly. Don't Never take any time God is speaking to you lightly, you know? John, you can get ready to come on up. I'm going to pray. I want to take some time in silence a little bit. No, come on up. I'm going to take some time in silence a little bit, and then I'll pray. I want us to uh, reflect more on what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to us right now. Father God, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you, Lord, for uh, you have brought us from darkness into light. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've taught us, all that you're continuing to teach us. God, we thank you for your broken body, the blood that was shed for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that if there's something that's leading us into sin, that you will give us the courage to cut it out of our lives. I pray that if there's a certain area of our lives that is uh, being perverted by false teaching, that you reveal that to us, that you would give us the pure teaching of your word. Open our eyes again, Lord God, to uh, have that zeal we once had when we first started serving you. Open our eyes, God, to, uh, to see the beauty that you've been painting in this gospel. Lord, if it's become, if the gospel has become common to us, renew our hearts, renew our minds, that we may be led to a new commitment in you. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.